You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. They come from the bowels of hell, guided by a master plan of complete domination of the earth. It arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refund. Hey, it's Deliberations of Doom. We are back sooner than our usual long extended breaks <laughs> this time. In fact, you might actually get like ones right on top of each other this time because we've got to do our next session is Christmas in July and we got to do it in July. So <laughs> we're kind of running short on time. But this one is Werewolves Part 2. Oh Yay. my fucking God. Seriously. Uh, it feels like we never stop. <laughs> it's uh, female directors, which is something that we've talked about from the very beginning wanting to do because it felt like, although the history of horror has definitely had, like, female horror directors, it's not till just recently it's become sort of a thing where there's lots of them coming into the industry. Uh, like, there's so many think pieces. I swear, when I put in female directors in horror, it was all think pieces about new women in horror. By the way, the cat's eating the wire to your phone. All right, awesome. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Does the, say hi to the cats. Hi, cats. Monkey and Jack. Hello. They're, they're a deliberation to do mascots. But- I mean, I think, it's, I think it's still a bummer that we have to do a separate episode just to talk about this, I just yeah. you know they should there should be more female directors yeah. in everything, it's just every genre, whatever. But directors, absolutely. writers, right? Everything. Yeah. But we do want more single, females in Hollywood. More females, period. But I feel like, yeah. like, although we've certainly had some along the way with other topics, um, it's it's interesting with some films to see the ways that like they're doing horror from a rather uniquely female perspective, and I certainly think certainly think some of the films we picked to talk about today are great exhibits of that where you're like, wow, this is a film I can't see a man having made, Hmm. you know? Um, Makes sense. But first off, let me say big thanks to our sponsors, Oscar Blues Brewing Company. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, uh, Russell over there is drinking their mama's little yellow pills right now. How is that treating you there? It's fabulous. (laughs) It's usually my my, uh, Oscar Blues of choice when we do the podcast, so... I am not drinking any because I drank so many Dale's Pale Ale last night when we recorded the gathering I'm that so now I'm hungover. afraid I'm just going to die. I'm so hungover. Or a little hungover. Just a little bit. But Dale's Pale Ale, interestingly, was the first craft beer ever put in a can. No it was shit. the first people to do that. It was Oscar Blues, and they did it with Dale's Pale Ale, and no it is kidding. still delicious. And there's also four brew pubs you can go to if you live either here in Austin. Uh, there's two in Colorado, one in North Carolina. You should go check them out. They're really great. Uh, of course, also big thanks to our subscribers. You know who you are. And oh my God, we need more of you. Like, if you want to keep hearing Deliberations of Doom, please think about becoming a subscriber because there is no Deliberations of Doom. There's no digital noise. There's no anything without subscribers. And we are in desperate need of more of you. Uh, come tax time, it's kind of one of those you go, can I afford to keep doing this site? And I can't. Unless you guys get in there and get some subscriptions going. And there's lots of bonus shit out there, including the aforementioned gathering episode that's just for subscribers. And I think you don't want to miss that. Anyway, uh, first off, I'm Chris. Patience. Russ. Rob. We decided earlier when we were pissed when y'all showed up late, SBs now stands for some, some bitches. bitches. <laughs> I think some of our listeners probably already called us. <laughs> uh, and uh, we are a uh, spoiler-heavy uh, podcast, so 
If you haven't seen uh, the movies yet that we're talking about, if you don't want to have them spoiled, you may want to pause the podcast and watch the movies and then return. Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those ones we like, hey, watch along with us. Go yeah. watch the movies that you see and then listen to the podcast and then you can either go, you people are some bitches, or you can go, oh, you're the Summers Brothers. And we definitely put out the lists beforehand, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be watching these movies. Yeah, you should get on our, our Facebook or Twitter page where we regularly like publish the, what we're going to be talking about and, right. in fact, ask you guys, what do you think? we should talk about with any given topic uh but we also ask you guys for questions and in fact we have a bunch of them this week and first off Maciek Kerr one of our most devoted viewers listeners uh who lives in Poland I've actually Skyped with him a couple times really nice guy and an accomplished uh comic book uh artist Brad yeah he's actually like in Poland apparently he's pretty big news all right (laughs) they're finally publishing his book in America which I'm actually excited to finally get which is kind of a cutesy supernatural thing sweet yeah but anyway he asks are you afraid of the dark yes and no like okay I'm a weirdo I got into horror I think as my mom used to say it was like it was your defense because when you were a kid you were scared to death of horror movies you were scared of the dark you were scared of vampires you were scared of lots of shit and then one day I suddenly wasn't and it was because like what do you call you you do some brain hacking where you're like well wait so I know realistically none of, there's nothing to be afraid of in the dark or these things. I know that rationally, but you still feel the feeling of fear. So if I can balance and go, that feeling of fear is just, it's a weird sensation and go, it's not unpleasant as long as you're not like rejecting it. And that's partially why I love horror. Every once in a while, something really scares you. I'm like, wow, that feels great. And I kind of feel that way in the dark. Sometimes I let myself get scared in the dark. Like you watch something or read something really spooked you out. And then you're sitting in the dark and you're like, that looks like a person standing at the edge of the bed. And I indulge in it. Because I'm like, this is actually kind of a rush. I kind of enjoy that. I like, I know there's nobody standing at the edge of the bed until the day that there is. And then you'll be like, I told you. (laughs) What do you guys think? I'm not afraid of the dark, um, unless it's like in a coffin being buried alive. I think that's my biggest. <laughs> it's not really the dark that's the problem. Yeah, it's, scenario, it's yeah. There's more than one problem with that, but yeah, yeah it's I'm definitely no. I and think. we'll be testing that on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, hell yes, I'm afraid of the dark. Do you uh, have a nightlight? Uh. Usually the giant TV that I leave on. Okay. So yeah, if I'm um, alone in my apartment and uh, and I'm going to sleep, I always sleep in the uh, living room. That way I can be prepared. If anything happens, I check everything. I've checked the little box next to the couch where we keep all our blankets. I've I've checked that to make sure that there's no monsters or serial killers in there. So <laughs> yes, I'm definitely afraid of the dark. And notice. He has not been killed by a monster or a serial killer. So clearly, scientifically speaking, this is a solid method. It's a good good method. Um, I'm afraid of everything. So yes. He's Uh, most afraid of my reviews of movies. Yeah. I'm afraid of Chris's terrible taste. Even more than I am of Pitch Black Darkness. the people that love fucking Geostorm. Oh, Yeah. I don't. I don't apologize for liking Geostorm, that's Russ. Right. No, I, I. Not only do I not apologize, I'm proud of it. Yeah, that's right. 
you know, I, I, mean, I did not like they're, Geostorm. They're, they're digging their own grave on this one. Right? I mean, just let them really? do it. Yeah. There's so many other movies that are worse than Geostorm. Um, no, I don't disagree. But like in terms of those big disaster movies, I'm like that is one of the worst ones I've ever seen. 2012 or Geostorm? I would take 2012 any day. Of the week. Really? I yeah, would definitely take 2012 over Geostorm. Yeah, it's a Russ? much better movie, oh, and it's a right. shitty movie. Yeah. You know what I really liked was San Andreas. That one was yeah, good. I didn't care that one was fucking terrible too. It's better than Geostorm. It is better than Geostorm. It is not better than Geostorm. I'm uh, we're just going to agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. All right, what's the next question? Next question is from Ben Birdwhistle, who says, My sister used to use Stanley Kubrick's The Shining to troll her friends who are easily frightened by horror movies. Are there any horror movies you'd like to show friends or family for the sake of light ribbing and to have a laugh? I mean, no, not really. I've found that like when I'm trying to show movies to people at, like to get a reaction, it's not specifically horror. I'm not trying to scare them. It's usually movies that are so batshit insane that you have no choice but to stop and watch them. Like, like what? The, well, my go-to used to be the story of Ricky. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's one of those ones you put on at a party and people go, wait a minute, what the fuck is this? And everyone will, will actually watch the goddamn movie because it's so insane. It's not a good movie. Um, No, I don't. I definitely don't do this. I did this once inadvertently, and I apologize, Carlos, because um, (laughs) I was okay. Because you know, Carlos doesn't really dig horror movies, and so I have to like really talk him into it when you know I want to you know watch a movie with him. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. It's like this accomplished director, and Willem Dafoe was in it. It was Antichrist, and he was just like, what the fuck did you just do? To me, and he still, he still today to this day will not watch horror films with me because no matter how much I try and sell him, he's like, nope. Remember that one time you made me watch Antichrist? Friends gonna, don't let friends I'm, watch Antichrist. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to buy him a Chaos Reigns T-shirt. I, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope that would be amazing. So yeah, it was inadvertent. And I apologize. You played yourself. Baby. I did. You really did. I did. Uh, yeah, I I don't totally do this because I know. Um, I think, like, people that don't like horror movies, um, a lot of them are just sensitive to scary stuff. Like, they just tell me, like, it's just how their constitution is. They're just like, hey, if I watch something really scary and everything's scary to me in a movie, then I'm going to stay up for days. Even if it's something that I think the four of us would be like, oh, how could you even be scared of that? Like, it was, dude, that's enough for them to freak out. So I don't do that with people because I just, I know there are things I don't want to watch in movies. Uh, that being said, um, if I do, show people that haven't seen um, The Thing, I always watch their face when they uh, test the blood in mm. The Thing, because I want to see how they react. That's and one of the scarier kind of moments in that film. Yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. So, so that, that's kind of something I do, but I, I don't think I would ever troll somebody and, and consciously try and make them watch a, a horror movie that they weren't interested in. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a movie for this, yeah. I don't... I, don't, I, 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 I do know that if I'm going to date anyone seriously, they have to like horror movies. Mm. So they're already going to be kind of into this. Because otherwise, I don't know what the hell we're going to watch. Right. You know what I mean? But even like horror movie fans have a certain type of horror. They're like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think all, all four of us would certainly say that we do. Like, there's just certain movies we'd be like, I'm not watching that movie. Yeah. Know, uh, we talked about that last time, yeah. too. I, I mean, think it was I think I'll watch questions. anything. I'm never not so sensitive to something that I'm like, I can't watch it. But there's stuff I'm like, I know I generally don't like that kind of stuff as much. So, so right. there's never been a movie you've been like, no, fuck that. I'm not watching it. Uh, no, that's not true. A, Ser- uh, a Serbian, Serbian film, okay. film, I was like, no, I'm not. Why would I want to watch that? That's There's fucking nothing disgusting. about that that sounds desirable to, to sit through on any level. And sure enough, everyone who's seen it is like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Don't watch it. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, what's next? Oh uh, well, related to that, Dennis McElwain, who we actually hung out with at Fantastic Fest. I love him. Uh, said, I love you, Dennis. Said, uh, "What has been the most ridiculous reason somebody has given you for not liking horror films?" I mean, like my mother couldn't can't watch anything super violent at all because she's like she's like I'm just too visual. If I see something violent, it'll be in my head when I dream that night for sure. That's like it'll yeah. freak me out. And I'm like, yes, that's a very valid reason. I'm glad I don't have that. You know, or uh, for me, I'd probably wake up and go, that was awesome. <laughs> that guy got disemboweled. It was cool. It makes me laugh. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, like uh, patients in any given film will be sitting there and something so truly horrific happens in a movie that like there's no way your reaction was intended to make you laugh, but she does the evil, wicked laugh. That, like the Robert De Niro in the theater in Cape Fear laugh. And everyone's That's like, why we're putting her in a coffin. Oh, here, no. next, next episode. I mean, is there a ridiculous reason for deciding that you don't like horror? It's just I mean, personal I taste. just get a lot of people that are like, oh, horror films are stupid. Okay, why are they stupid? Well, they're all the same. Okay, I get that. I mean, you obviously haven't watched enough horror films because mm. they're not all the same. Yeah. You just are generalizing or stereotyping just, them. Just the movies we watched for this episode. They're so vastly different. different. Yeah. And I think that they're also thinking of older horror films. Like, I think that newer horror films are really pushing the envelope. They're really being more creative. Where I mean, it's not just slashers anymore. It's not just creature features anymore. You know, they're thinkers now. Um, Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like, when when I've had that argument with people who think, you know, horror films are a lowbrow or... And and obviously, many of them are, and that's one of the reasons we like them. But to dismiss the whole genre for that... I I mean, every genre has shit tons of lowbrow movies in it. Like, they all do. Even, like, period pieces. Yeah. Pick pick it. There's terrible ones. Um, But on on that note, this did sort of remind me of an ex-girlfriend of mine. And it was when the Dawn of the Dead remake came out, and... uh, and uh, I said, well, b- before we see it, do you, do you want to see the original Dawn of the Dead? Because it's it's great. It's like one of the greatest like horror movies, Best zombie movies. zombie film yeah. ever. And she liked horror movies. And I remember she, she said to me, she said, no. Be- and I said, but why? And she goes, because now they have new special effects and it's scarier. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, I can't really argue with that. Um, anyway, so. Uh, God. I, I mean... what's the I don't think most people I mean I think it's like you with your mom like if if you don't like horror movies it's generally because they upset you or they they keep you up at night or whatever at least that's that's honest right and that makes sense to me like it it bugs you and you know I so that would be the biggest as far as dumb reasons I mean like no I don't think anybody's giving me like a super dumb I mean it's pretty much what patients said people would just go they just demean the entirety thing of like well that's stupid why would anyone watch a horror movie honestly I feel like like, you're just a wimp the genre that most people seem to sort of have that reaction to is less horror and more sci-fi I think a lot of times like I talk to people they're just like I don't don't get it what do I look like a nerd why would I watch that (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah alright what's the next question Uh, well we actually that's it for the questions for this episode we'll continue on to the next episode with more we're going to get into the movies and we're going to start off with one of my favorite ones on this list quite frankly Uh, and I really was glad that that everyone wanted to watch this because I only saw it the one time when it first uh, was premiering at I I think it was South By um, and I loved it then and it was one of those movies you're like I want to revisit this Prevenge uh, and it's interesting, just even the making of this thing, because uh, written, directed, and starring Alice Lowe, who's much better known in England than she is here, but she's very well known in England, where uh, she starred in Ben Wheatley's Sightseers, which is you know, quite good, and she co-wrote as well. 
Um, Hot Fuzz. Uh, briefly, yeah. And then um, the Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, the television oh, show. Oh, yeah. She was one of the, the big major characters on that. And here, she is, not only was she nine months pregnant when they were making this, which I, I had to look it up. I was like, how do, how would you time that? They made the whole movie in 11 days. Yeah. Right? Like, she said she wrote the script in three days, and then, like, a day or two later, they were filming, pretty much. <laughs> it was like, damn, they did the whole oh, wow. thing. But she plays a very pregnant woman, Ruth, who, as we discover, her uh, boyfriend died in a climbing accident, and now she's kind of just in shock. She's pregnant. She's by herself. Uh, when we first meet her, she's visiting a pet store to buy, presumably, a pet with the sleaziest, grossest pet store guy <laughs> ever. And then she turns around and kills the guy. And you're like, what is happening right now? Because it's definitely something I've never seen before in a movie, a very pregnant woman murdering someone. I was like, okay, movie, what do you got for me? And uh, as it turns out, she believes that her unborn baby is talking to her and telling her, you need to seek revenge on everyone else who was in that climbing. And look incident with her boyfriend because basically there was a decision to cut the rope that there was too many people on it and he was the only one who died everyone else lived and she's like the baby's like or her version in her mind of the baby is like you're gonna kill every last one of those motherfuckers fortunately most of them are really horrible horrible people (laughs) coincidentally and the the pet star guy is like super pervy though i mean he's like over the top pervy with like the dad jokes but like they're like not good. I mean, there's stuff in here that's genuine. I, I can see people taking this movie two ways. I can see people taking this movie straight up as a black comedy, and I can see people finding nothing funny here at all. And reading a lot, I've read, this is one of the movies I really went into reading a bunch of different reviews and responses, and people were like, I've seen this a couple times, and I've been in theaters where people laughed all the way through, and I've been in theaters it was dead silent, and both theaters loved the movie. And that's really interesting. There's a lot to take away from this thing, I feel like. Um, I, although, even I have trouble watching the scene where she's going home with the guy who's like the, the most the pathetic DJ, DJ ever. Yeah. And he yeah. like pukes in his clown wig and then immediately leans over and sticks his tongue down her mouth. And she's just sitting there in shock with like her, his vomit on the side. Of her well, one of the things I found <laughs> hilarious about that, I mean, is she's obviously, she's eight months pregnant or, you know, very close to giving birth. And then he, totally doesn't even notice and then finally he puts his hand up her skirt and he's like are you pregnant and it's just like really you didn't you didn't fucking didn't realize that, huh? yeah i mean he's pretty pathetic yeah though. he keeps talking about like oh, i don't normally fuck fat chicks but you know i was like what the hell and then it's like <laughs> you know his his mother clearly with dementia comes out and i need to do your laundry and he's just like oh god damn it mom <laughs> such a such a weird juxtaposition in this movie. I liked this movie. Um, I was glad I finally had an excuse to watch it because I hadn't seen it before. Even though I kept it was on my list, it was on you know in my queue. But you know, other movies take precedence sometimes. I I thought it was like the the baby voice is so disturbing in this. It's just like the shrill when the baby's talking to her. It's like the shrill craziness. And yeah, you wonder is. Is she just losing her fucking mind or is she just looking for an excuse to take revenge for her boyfriend or husband or, or whatnot? Um, everyone is like, the one thing I thought about is everyone in this movie is like so awkward. <laughs> like there's just like so much social ineptitude. It was really strange and it made me feel kind of uncomfortable, which I liked. Yeah, everyone is such a broken person. Yeah. Like even the guy, people who are just straight up bad people, they're clearly just not, they're not a, a, a normal villain. Yeah. They're like 
actually just feel like a pathetic human being. And the only person who has any goodness is the midwife, but she talks in like platitudes, like, you know, just like this, oh, everything happens for a reason. What's past is past, you know? (laughs) And you're just like, uh, her fucking husband's dead. Like you kind of can't move on from that. So it was just like really weird that she's like the only good person in this film is won't it just talking poetry the whole entire time. It's weird. (laughs) I liked um, the soundtrack was particularly good. And I felt like there was a lot of like Argento moments with color, Mm. you know, like before she has the baby on Halloween night, it's like all bathed in red and she's wearing the red dress with the day of the dead makeup. And then she has the baby and it's all white. But that was guerrilla filming, by the way, those people that was really going on and then nobody knew they were being filmed. That's cool. Like all that stuff where people were coming up to her and being weird and shit, like threatening. That was all like they had no idea they were on camera. Trying to make out with her and or, stuff, or whatever. Or yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and after she has the baby, you notice like immediately it's she's bathed in white. She's wearing a white dress. Yeah. So there's really a cool color change. I thought. Mm. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I this was one of those movies. Yeah, I'd, I'd read a lot about it, and um, I, I uh, it was on it was on Shutter, and so I immediately started watching it, and it it does the the beginning. It just kind of starts and. I wasn't quite sure what to make of the movie, um, and it has these giant close-ups of a spider, which I am just always gives me the willies. So I immediately turned it off, and then I I didn't <laughs> that's really. That's his review. That's yeah. all I can watch, <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. Uh, but I, revenge, everybody. Yeah, revenge. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I I I went back to it for the uh, for the podcast, um, and and I was just you know, fast forwarded through the spidey parts. No, I rewatched the spider, but it was not fun. Um, just for you listeners, see what I go through. And it was, uh, I, again, like, once you make it through the beginning of the movie, which, again, like I said, it, it's it's a strange beginning, and I, I don't know that the movie eases you into what's going on, like, at all. Uh, and then, but I did start to get into the vibe, and I, I, I pick up on what Patience was saying. I mean, there's a very conscious um, awkwardness and, and cringiness to the movie, which... It's not normally something I like. It it almost feels like uh, the Ricky Gervais uh, office. Yes. Um, through the whole movie, down to the way it's shot and everything. Uh, and, and as I said, normally I'm not a fan of that style, but I really thought they, they pulled it off. And I think as the movie progresses and you, you realize the threat <laughs> of the movie, and, and it's a little... Low disclosure about the the climbing thing. I mean, I think it becomes much more evident later on. But even then, they they really do not. There's no real moment where they spell it out, like in any way. You just slowly begin to pick it up, and I realize, like, oh wow, this is like, this is a pretty like deft filmmaker. Like, and I was like, there, there's a real vision of what's going on here, and I felt like the movie began to live up to what I hoped it would be in a way that I didn't uh, expect at all. Um, I, I did want to say we, we were talking about the DJ. Uh, he goes out in a really horrific way, <laughs> uh, and that was—I I was not prepared for that. Um, it, it was definitely one of the more shocking moments well, of the movie. Because the film keeps getting you like comfortable with not even feeling like it's a horror movie at all because of that style, and I think that's part of it. You're just like, oh, I've seen stuff like this, and it wasn't horror. So whenever it is graphic, it's that much more shocking. And 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 the the, the main character who's committing these these crimes kind of goes from zero to sixty in those moments. Mm. Like it's sort of like she's sort of normal, a little off, and then bam, she just does these horrible things and really has 
almost no remorse or really thinks about it uh, at all. And and that was something I wanted to say about the movie was um, what it really reminded me of was was Taxi Driver, in that you begin to get into this person's mind and you realize they're you know they're obviously they're an unreliable narrator and they're uh, uh, an unreliable protagonist, I guess you should say. And and but what's great about the movie is you you begin to sympathize with them. You begin to root for this character to get away with these horrible things that they're getting. And so I think that that to me um, was the real strength of the movie. I was I was very impressed with that. Um, you know, you you shouldn't you should condemn this person for all the horrible things they're doing, but you 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 empathize with them uh, uh, it's, or it's sympathize. Been with interesting. I, I can't, there was a famous piece on it, like I say on it, but that idea that you can sell anyone, no matter how horrible they are, to an audience where they will, but despite themselves, kind of root for them, as long as that character is the protagonist. Like, you can storytell, I mean, like, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. You watch it, and there's part of you going, no, don't get caught! No, you you should get caught! He's a monster! I I mean, (laughs) and I think that that, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of modern television is something that employs that exact thing, yeah. Uh, and, And, yeah, and I think it's because we're so conditioned to that style of narrative that you're like, well, we are supposed to identify with the protagonist. I mean, that's the power of cinema. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so, again, that's what I love about this movie, and I found it so original and exciting and subversive. Uh, so, yeah, I really, really like this movie. Uh, Chris, did you finish uh, your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. No, uh, I, I okay. started it. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, Chris had been on this one for a while, actually. I think you've 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 mentioned this like a bunch of times. Yeah, I told you about it. You were I like, think you got it right, right after I watched Revenge it the first really time. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we finally found it on the podcast. Uh, I I like this movie. I don't know that I loved it in the way that you guys did, although I did appreciate it. Um, it took a little bit for me to kind of get into it, but I think the movie is deliberate in that. Like it wants to, like Russ said, like it's a low disclosure. So he, I remember texting. I texted Russ even at the end. I'm like, wait, so did this happen? Like, do I understand that? The- <laughs> cat. Cat. Shit's going down with the cat right now, folks. <laughs> Just to keep y'all focused. Uh, so. Um, but I, <clears throat> I did find Alice Lowe to be, uh, really talented. Like, I mean, I think she's a really good actress. Uh, she's a good writer. She's a good director. And that's really apparent in this movie because it's such a singular vision. Like she really has an idea of what this movie is and it's, it's, it, you, you don't, you can't misunderstand it in some way. Um, so I, I was impressed by that. Uh, I don't know that this is really like the funnest movie, I guess. Like, I think, I think maybe even for the reasons you talked about, which is you don't always know how to take it. So it's like, you know, they have the thing with the weird, you know, karaoke DJ guy that she's going to get. And he's like gross. And she's sort of, you know, flirting with him to get him to take her home. But he's an asshole. He's, you know, insulting and disgusting. And then he's throwing up in his wig. (laughs) And then, and then you're like, and then she's, you know, and then he's there with his mom. Um, and he's kind of nice to her and, you know, you're sort of like, do, how do I take this? Cause now, you know, this poor lady with dementia or whatever's going on with her, she's left there after, you know, Alice Lowe, you know, kills this guy in a really horrible way. Our great way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can, I can see in my mind's eye patients wickedly laughing. Yeah. I laughed my ass off. You did? See, but again, like I, I didn't. So I, I oh, took the yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. can understand. That. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, I think that the movie, how to take the movie, is very um, up for grabs. So, but so don't you think that's that's a strength? Things. Okay, that's a strength. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know that it made it the funnest or 
um, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I don't know that I love the movie all the time watching it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so. Uh, but I did like it, and I think by the end I was very, you know, I, I. But again, I think this is one of these movies I appreciated more than I sort of enjoyed in some way. So, um, but you know, I did like it. Patience, right? I, I think I'd read it also about the baby voice, and mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be way more of the movie. It's really not. It's what like maybe two or three scenes. Yeah. Hear, and for a second, I didn't even know what it was. Like I was like, oh. Oh shit! That's the. You worried that that was a voice in your head? Yes. <laughs> it sounded like the voice in my. The crazy <laughs> voice in my head. Did, did Chris just come in? <laughs> I, but I think you know if you're a horror fan, and I think if you're fucking, if you're just a movie fan, I do think this is a movie worth watching. But I don't know that I loved it. Um, I, it, it probably wasn't. Like, did you really enjoy it? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually ha- ended up having a lot of fun with it. I, okay, I, yeah. yeah. But I also, and as a filmmaker, she made this fucking movie in like eleven days. Yeah. Uh, she crawled through a doggy door while eight months pregnant. That's more impressive. That is kick ass. <laughs> super pregnant and doing everything. Right, and so as a filmmaker. I was impressed. I don't think this is the most visually accomplished or amazing movie, but it is a good movie, and it is impressive. Not only that, but it has multiple locations, which just as a filmmaker alone, like, just thinking, like, they made this movie in eight to 11, 11. days. Yeah, it was, 11, it was like eight days of shooting and, like, 11, 11 with reshoots or something. I'm telling you, man, when you have to switch locations in a fucking movie, it's a nightmare. So just when I was watching that and being conscious of that, I was like, they go to all these different places, mm-hmm. and they're not... They're like on cliffs. They're she's in apartments. She's in clubs and bars. They're considering they're running and gunning. It's amazing. It looks as good as it does. It looks good. There's the sound is great and she's great. It's a very um, lived in, interesting performance. There's a sadness to her character. Yeah, and it comes through in every scene. Yeah, and um, I don't know. Yeah, so so on that alone, if you're a, if you're an independent filmmaker or a low budget filmmaker, you should watch this movie for inspiration because. I was like, shit. Yeah, can't wait to see what she does now. I, yeah. gonna, uh, I hope so she gets to keep directing. there as well. If y'all haven't seen Sightseers yet, her movie so with Ben Wheatley. That's Wheatley, right? Yeah. I really enjoy that Okay, movie. I don't want to go off on a tangent. I don't get Wheatley. Like, I try to watch it's a bunch. It's one of his more accessible ones. I it's, watched Free Fire and... Yeah. and I nothing. liked Free Fire. I know, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but... I, I like Free Fire. I like Sightseers better. What's the other one? The, the Ballard movie? The uh, High Rise? Oh, uh, High Rise. Oh, and that, did, uh, I, High Rise was fantastic. I didn't get that either. Kill List is another one. Kill List is fucking amazing. Oh, you should watch Kill List. I tried with Kill List. All right, see, Kill List is fucking amazing. Um, but I, you know what? I will probably watch Sightseers just because she's in it. I yeah. liked Alice. And she was one of the dark. big appeals it's of it. It's not horror, so but it's she's it's a dark yeah, movie. It's got murder in it. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that ending up on one of our lists. Um, but I did want to. I actually like read a lot of interviews with her because she's a re- super interesting lady. And just the fact this movie got made the way it did is yeah. interesting. I wanted to know more. I pulled out a quote from her because I was like, "This is really very telling of what was going through her head." She said, "Yes, I was pregnant when I directed the film and played." the main character, I was quite conscious that there would be a media focus on that aspect of the film when I came up with the idea. With this film, I wanted to talk about how primal and dramatic giving birth and having a child is, how existential it is that another human being comes out of a hole in you. Men have always made sci-fi about that idea, but why shouldn't women in a different way? There's something terrifying and godlike about making life, and it's about time a, a woman owned that on the screen. It's often played as a comic thing, all the screaming and gripping her husband's hand. That's an external viewpoint of a woman who's feeling terrified and in pain. If you're going to make a film about the alien, make it from the alien's perspective, not from the person who's scared of the alien. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's a really... Yeah, she's, she's sharp. Yeah. And the C-section scene was... Jesus, yeah. That was more, that was more horrifying to me than the DJ dying scene. 
Um, and then again, I don't have a penis. So, so. yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say, yeah, also, she had a really great uh, podcast interview on Jeff Goldsmith's Q&A about writing the movie. Oh, awesome. I'll that check I, that, that I really enjoyed. And, yeah, she uh, wrote it super fast. There's a there's a podcast, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm blanking on the name, but it's with one, it's where they... A filmmaker picks like one movie and uh, and they discuss it on the the podcast. It's yeah. not their movie, um, and she picked Labyrinth. Right, you told wow. me that. Yeah, and it was it was a it it was a kind of a cool insight into her, and she had a lot of really cool ideas about Labyrinth, and and then also you know you sort of got her views on filmmaking. Sure, one of the so reasons she even did this was because she was like she, she was saying when she was pregnant, the first three months were like I just wanted to stay in bed, and then one day that sort of like I'm the most powerful being in the world thing kicked in, and she's like oh, I want to work, I want to work, and no one would cast her because they're like, well, but the baby's it's going to change size, and it's like going to be different for continuity, and she's like, this is ridiculous, like there's nothing. <laughs> Tell me there's nothing you can do about that. Like maybe put a little thing in beforehand to make me look bigger. But anyway, so she was like, you know what? I'm gonna write. I'm gonna do this so I can work when I'm pregnant. And she actually also appeared in an uh, anthology, a sci-fi anthology show as well during this. So Uh, I'm excited to see what she does next. Me too. Uh, It's someone else's movie. Someone else's movie is the name of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's she's great. Yeah, she's really sharp. Well, let's move on to the next one, which is another one of those films that was much talked about uh, last year when it came out, Uh, and I. It's, I really enjoyed this when I saw it. I feel like I enjoyed it better watching it again the second time. I got more out of it the second time. Cause now I was like, okay, now I know what this is. But it kind of, this movie Raw got famous partially because there were, the media was all over stories of people passing out and throwing up in movie theaters. Now, I, it's one of those things like we were talking about, like people sometimes with horror are like, there's this one thing I don't like that really freaks me out. And for all, I think a lot of people, that's cannibalism. And this is definitely the topic of this very coming-of-age, sort of ginger snaps and can- cannibalism-ish mm. French, uh, new French extreme horror. But, I mean, as the, the, the director, uh, Julia uh, Ducourneau, I don't know if I'm saying that right or Ducourneau. not. Uh, Ducourneau! Uh, <laughs> has said, she's like, I mean, that's fine if you want to take it just as a horror movie and enjoy it on that level. When I was making it, I really was thinking of it in different terms. Mm-hmm. She's like I, she's like I love horror. I want to keep making horror films. I think it's great. But as I'm, this thing was in my head. I it was more important the story of this as kind of a drama, and I see that with this girl who is uh, uh, Justine, played by a really remarkable performance by young actress uh, Garance um, Marillier. Uh, assume that that sounds French, right? I think sure, I'm certainly saying that right. Sure, you did a great job. Um, yeah. <laughs> with her family. You're doing good, boo. Yeah. <laughs> she's a vegetarian. She's being sent out to her first semester at veterinary school, uh, but the one that her older sister already has been attending for a few years. Played, and her parents uh, played, attended as well. Yeah, her parents attended as well. Uh, her sister played also very well, Swedish act- actress Ella Rumpf, who, who I think is equally terrific. Um, and... It's the frattiest school ever. Like, ever. It's oh my a fucking God. veterinarian school. I know. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, they haze these people like every minute of the day. What the fuck? Is that what school is like in France? Holy shit. Uh, they're like, you know, making them wear weird outfits and throwing their beds out the window, throwing cow blood on them. And everything is set in motion when she's basically part of the ritual. Like, oh, you got to eat this rabbit kidney. And she does, and very reluctantly, partially because her sister's like, don't be a pussy, eat the kidney. Everybody does it. Um, and she wakes up with a horrible, weird rash, and suddenly starts craving meat. 
like in the middle of the night, comes to the refrigerator and just starts chowing it's down like on raw, raw chicken. chicken. Which, by the, does. which by the way, does. was just pure sugar. She said it was like a, oh, it was like God. a piece of candy they had it formed. It looks really real. And she said, "I didn't come out of this not liking meat because she's like, fuck vegetarianism. I'm a huge meat eater in real life." But she's like, "But I tell you what, I ain't having sweets again anytime soon because every time she's eating meat in this film, whether it's human flesh or anything, it was a a baked candy product they made." Oh. Yeah. Can so, we get some of those for the yeah, podcast? Right? That sounds That'd awesome. No, no. The Gathering is our food one. Sorry. Oh. oh okay. Let's see how it is. That's cool. <laughs> um, bring you guys candy next time. Thanks, Patience. You're welcome. But she starts finding out that, yes, indeed, like, like not only is she weirdly craving meat and kind of, like, her personality is drastically changing, but uh, when she's presented with the opportunity to taste human flesh, oh, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> she, her sister's finger is accidentally cut off, and uh, while her sister is passed out, she just eats straight up eats her sister's finger and is like, hmm, finger looking good. <laughs> finger sandwich. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our first coxism. And we're out. Good night, everybody. Way too long. We're going to rename this podcast Dad Jokes. <laughs> uh, and it's, I think, uh, like, on the whole, this is kind of like, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a uh, a coming of age movie for sure of this person who's like not at all comfortable with their body and and to begin with and then being very uncomfortable as their body's going through unusual changes and they're trying to figure out who is their identity what are who are they in this world they're not like everybody else but they still want to fit in um i mean like that's definitely the subtext here more than anything the text is human flesh is tasty <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but I, I did enjoy this. I think this is incredibly well shot. I think there's some badass visual sequences in here. There's one where the, she gets covered with blue paint and another guy's covered with yellow paint and they make him go into the closet to like 60 seconds in, in paradise, whatever it's called. And you're like... It's seven minutes in seven minutes Yeah, in heaven, and they're like, don't come out until you're green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, that was really cool. There's a lot of neat sequences like that. There's a lot of... Well, until, yeah, she bites part of his face off. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, everybody That's one guy. That. That's rabid. Normal. That's pretty yeah. much par for the course. Par for the first course. Um, uh, God, you're just like 100% today. Don't stop. Don't stop. You're not hungover, liar. You do you, Cox. I, I, you yeah, you. I, I'm on top of it because I haven't had any alcohol today. Oh, that's my problem. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I found this film to be fascinating. It's so performance-driven in so many ways, but also there's just a lot of other stuff going on. Like, on almost every level, I got something out of this. Um, it is disturbing. It is upsetting. And cannibalism is one of the things that, yeah, is one of the things that kind of gets to me. But, like, there's a really graphic sequence towards the end that I was like, oh, fuck. Like, even seeing it again, knowing it was going to happen, I was like, shit, I don't even want to look at that. That's, oh, God. <laughs> but... I think this is incredibly well well worth watching. This is definitely uh, one of the more interesting sort of like horror slash dramas to come out of the past couple of years. And the French have been doing some pretty interesting and strange stuff with horror altogether for the past several years. Yeah, French extremism. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I liked it. Okay, I just want to say I did like this movie, even though everything I'm going to say is going to be negative about this movie. Um, I, I, I do, I really, I wanted to like this movie a lot more than I do because I just find everyone in this movie so unlikable. Like everyone in this movie, with the exception of her roommate, um, Adrian, um, he's the only person that has any sort of like, 
I don't know, morality, humanity. Everyone in this movie is a fucking asshole, <laughs> including the main chick, especially her sister, all of the teachers. I mean, all of the classmates. They're all a bunch of cunts. And I was just like, fucking French. I, I, I mean, and I'm just like, am I supposed to align with somebody? Am I supposed to like want her to like succeed? Like, I just, I didn't like anybody in this movie. Um, the only, you know, the only fucking people I cared about, actually not even people, I cared about the horse in the beginning, and I cared about the damn dog, who unfortunately got blamed for eating the finger and got killed, and then she dissected him later. It was really fucked up. Uh, I Poor dog. I was gonna say, that reminded me, I saw someone tweet yesterday saying, hey, to all you fuckers out there, it's like, I don't know, man, I think Thanos had a good point. You do realize half the dogs died too, right? <laughs> half the dogs! Think about that, fuckers! <laughs> Now my heart hurts. Uh Um, Yeah, I just, I think it's a beautiful film. I really, I think it's a great concept. I like the plot. I I mean, I think it's a great film. I just hated everybody in it. Is that that your main? Yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, I, okay, so you know how in Prevenge, everyone's a little bit awkward and unlikable, but I liked it. In this one, everyone is unlikable, and I didn't like it. So yeah. I don't know what it is about. I mean, I mean, I think that's a tonal issue. Yeah, I think that goes to direction, which I think a lot of direction is tone. And I agree with you. I don't know that it was it was as uh, the the tone was as modulated as it should have been as compared to something like Prevenge, which I think was more successful with dealing with sort of unlikable characters. And maybe it's because Prevenge also has some dark humor to it, where this is right. straight up just morbid. That's exactly right. Um, I don't know if I found them unlikable because they were high school kids, basically. They're like, they're like they're just 18, a bunch of bullies, 17, man. and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's that's people that age to kind of there it's, it's, mo- just it's jerks. Not, when i watched something like i watched a uh, uh, love simon which is a cute little sort of coming out gay movie that hit theaters this year i was like this is adorable except no high school students are this nice i'm sorry i don't believe it nobody's this nice in high school and sure enough this movie was like yeah this feels like actual kids and yeah yeah maybe. but i don't i don't want to jump into my review over patience i just want to say like i agree with you because i think that there isn't more going on with the characters in this movie. So, like, it's like you're saying, like, yeah, they're sort of unpleasant, and that's kind of it. Like, whereas, like, you know, Al Slow's character in Revenge has a lot of layers. She's, you know, you you feel her grief, her sadness, her anger, her humor, her indifference. Like, you feel all that. Whereas this one, you know, you're kind of like... It's just one They they don't... I mean, like, is there really anything going on with these characters besides their... Hungry for, I mean, you know, for for meat, and you know, they sort of she doesn't sort of get along with her sister. Like, I don't know that there's more to the character. Like, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Anyways, so your Valid. review, I didn't. Yeah, that, no, that's exactly it. You just nailed it. Okay. My, yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, and there's a lot. Yeah, and you've spent a lot of time with them. They're in like every scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, like I said, mine. I don't agree with that. I okay. think there's a lot going on with those characters, but I think a lot of it is really that so, that thing of the the cannibalism and everything going on is kind of more of a metaphor for. But, but yeah, it's okay, definitely so, a coming so, of age story. So this is my biggest question with with the movie. Um, so in horror and 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 in great horror movies. When we talk about something, when we talk about f- fucking werewolves or vampires or whatever, you always do say, "What? What is the vampire? What is the what is the werewolf? What does it mean?" Because it's not just that it's a monster; it's it's representative of a thing of you know, like ginger An idea. You know, they're coming of age or they're you know, female um, adolescence or whatever. Yeah, puberty. 
what is the cannibalism in Raw? Like, I, I didn't get... Because, like, there's this there's this thread of their family, like, the sisterhood thing is, is, is intensely in this movie. But I don't get how cannibalism is a reflection or a commentary or a metaphor I, or anything. I feel like I do. Like, uh, how? Because she wants so badly to find someone to fit in with. And she can't. She's so different. She can't that find in the a movie. connection. And if she can't fit in with them, the closest she can come is to consume them. Is to kind of be, make them part of her. And that's when she starts becoming more confident and top of herself. So when she starts actually eating people. I don't I thought it was more of a sexual metaphor. Like, you, you know. I always she, think it's a sexual metaphor. That's not true. I, don't, I agree. I don't always think that. <laughs> uh, you, no, I didn't see it as a sexual no, metaphor. No, I, I mean, I thought it was and very, so, like, what you is know, it visceral, about, you know. But what is it saying about that? Like, I mean, like, I mean, like, if that's what it is, if it's sex, then, like, I didn't get that. There isn't enough sex in the movie for it to be about sex. Well, and- I mean, there's definitely a sexual element. Like, she starts dressing, like, her sister makes her wear this cocktail dress, so she starts dressing up. She starts getting more, like, you but know, starts cannibalism or reflection? making... There actually is well, because- a sex scene in it where that concludes with her not able to get off until she until eats her she- own flesh. Bites you know, herself, again, and then at the I don't, end, look, I get, I get what y'all are saying that this shit is in the movie, but I don't get cannibalism as a metaphor for any of that. Like, oh, I, I, just, I get it because it's very visceral. It's a very like animalistic thing. Yeah, but I, like, like this, this always reminds me of my my English teacher. I think I may have talked about this before. But my English teacher in um, college. And, and I remember saying these things, like I had to do this paper and I went to his class and I talked about what I wanted to talk about with this poem or something in class. And I said, well, this is, he's talking about water, blah, 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 blah. And my, and my teacher looked at me and goes, yeah, but so what? He, you know, you've made these connections, but they don't add up to much. And that's sort of what I'm saying. You can say that it's sex or that it's, uh, uh, I guess, uh, individuality and, and trying to fit in and stuff. But, but I don't know that. Those those come to a more coherent uh, uh, thread of the movie yeah. that 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 lead to something and and so I think that's what we're looking for is what is the organizing principle of the movie and obviously it has to do with the cannibalism and I think what Rob and I talked about was it may have to do something with your nature and denying your nature that that was the most we could come up with yeah that but makes I don't sense. that makes sense I don't I, I I just you know I watched the movie I mean I think like. Um, I, you know, I, I there were there was a great deal I appreciate about the movie in, in a sense. Like I loved, um, and and I think it may be, you know, I don't mean to just boil this down to some kind of gender thing. I think the, the, there's a there's a femininity to the movie that I really appreciated and enjoyed. I loved the scene where um, they play video games, mm. and it's like um, it's, you know she's playing the video game like the roommate, the sister, and then the main character comes in and she takes over for the other. I've never seen that in a movie. Like that's a great moment, you know. It's a really it felt very real. It's cool, and um, I like that. And I think the movie is is um, filled with these naturalistic touches, and then also these like you know incredible visual flourishes, like you know the paint and um, you know them in the white coats covered in blood, and um, and I and I really like that, but. Um, even though you were saying naturalistic, there's a scene where the sisters are trying to piss standing up on the roof. Yeah. That's not played for grossness at all. It's just kind of like... No, they're hanging out. They're being and, drunk. And, yeah. and I like that. And I, like, I think I think the movie is um, incredibly well put together. It, it, it comes from a very strong viewpoint. But I, I just... I didn't get it. Like, I mean, I'm watching the movie... You know, I think that, and Russ and I have had, we've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but this is actually a big distinction I need to make with horror movies, is um, 
it's this is a movie that is more interested in being disturbing than being scary. And for me, I I don't understand. Like I don't think that makes it like making something disturbing is easy. Like I think like uh, like upsetting people, you know, making the human centipede or whatever. Like making people upset is a much easier thing to do than scaring the fuck out of somebody or making things scary. So like that requires you know this kind. It's kind of this Hitchcockian thing to to to, to play the audience like that to to create fear or suspense in in your in your audience. This movie is. Um, very interested in disturbing you and upsetting you, and it is really good at that. I mean, like you know, but you know, she bites that guy's face off. That seems to have no consequence in the movie. Like, if you bit off someone's lip, like you think I mean, be, like expelled immediately. I mean, you right. would probably you would be able to, to leave that room. You, I mean, th- yeah. that party would have everybody would have freaked but out. Again, probably would have called I mean, you're talking like that's like. Match. I mean, like the movie just sort of right. shrugs. So there's a way that the movie exists in moviedom. Like I just felt like I, none of these things don't seem to have a consequence in real life. I mean, you know, she's biting, she's eating her sister's finger, and the sister's kind of like, meh. like well, thanks for eating my finger. That kind of sucks. Well, she gives her shit about it, and but it's also like she keeps going. I mean, she continues to. But I guess like I don't her about it. But she's like, I get it because I understand what you're. But going we, through. but I want to say is we don't know that at the moment that yeah. the sister shares the same affliction. And and I watched that scene, and and I was so cringy and upset, and 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 I felt like uh, especially what Rob was talking about that your your sister is over there. She's passed out. Her finger's been cut off, which you've done. You go there, and I understand, like, it's the horror movie. The hunger has taken her over, and she wants to do it. I just, it was such a, it was such a contrived reaction to what was going on that she just sort of picks it up, and, and she looks at it, and then she kind of gnaws at it, and then the sister sees her, and then, and then they go to the hospital, and then it's, it's like this, none of it ever happened. They, they never really come back to it, and I think that was, that was a real problem I had with the film was that I felt like, again, with the lip and the, and the finger, these are, horrific, life-changing things that are treated as plot points that we just sort of brush past because the script needs to move the story along. And that, to me, um, is a problem with the filmmaking that I, I never know, really man. got You're, you're so harsh on this, I'm look, checking out Rob's fingers. I got all my digits because I know that if Russ ate my finger, I would have a fucking reaction to it. <laughs> I, <laughs> this movie and and I would have a reaction to it as well. I mean, I, and that's what I'm saying is I think it would have been more interesting to me to see her maybe... Uh, like go back and forth on it or something, but it, you know she just sort of de- I don't know. Yeah, and they they get to the reveal at the end that this is sort of a thing that is part of their family. It had no, re- I, I had no, I had nowhere to even sort of go with it. Like uh, I was honestly, like, that's the only thing I don't like in this movie is that very end. I mean, why? obviously there has to be some reason why did these girls share this, but it's just. So absurd that moment at the end of the film. But to like, me, that's okay. the reaction I had the whole movie. Okay. Yeah. I, actually, I mean, I, I get you, but I'm just like, you know, I think that the the movie is carried by the strength of the actors and the you know exceptional direction. But in the end, what's going on in the movie, I don't connect with, or I'm not interested in, and mostly because it. Did, what's the like Russ said? Like, what's the point of this movie? Like, I mean. Do you guys see a point to this movie that I'm no. just not seeing? No, I don't. Okay, so... so they pages. were part of the Donner Party. I, I mean, I actually <laughs> yeah, but, couldn't agree so, more. Okay, but, I mean, it's like, it's like when you watch Ginger Snaps, like, 
There's a metaphor We're about bring up gender snaps. Okay, but but, but <laughs> which is fantastic. Right. But, but I mean that, that, but, but metaphor, a, that but metaphor. You, you catch there, the, yeah, there's you understand, a balance. And it may be a yeah. little more on the nose than this movie. Like I get it, they're French and so. But, I, but I think obscure. that the metaphor for that movie has problems too. But I think if you look at something like say The Shining with 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 alcoholism or something, I yeah. think like that yeah. metaphor makes more sense. And and you see a real progression of of where it's trying to go and what it's trying to talk about with that. Did you guys um, ever watch that old ben, the Ben Stiller show when he did a sketch? comedy show. It was like kind of yeah. the beginning of his career. Yeah. I, I Every time, it came up in my head when we were talking about uh, uh, what's the Guy Pierce movie? Uh, kind of movie. No, 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 the cannibalism movie. Ravenous. Ravenous. Ravenous but which I was always fantastic. go back and think about his sketch about PJ O'Pooter Toots. Do you remember that? No. Where it's like a chain restaurant like Fridays and like, man, these people, they're like animals the way they're eating. It's like, PJ O'Pooter Toot was a member of the Donner Party. He discovered human flesh was the ultimate fun food. <laughs> You don't remember that? No. Go back and look for it on YouTube. It's really All right, right, moving along. Um, (laughs) No, I I, I, I just want to say I couldn't agree more with the Summers Brothers right now. Whoa. Wow. This is happening. This is a thing and it happened. I like like more of this. You Um, slid away from the some bitches level. I I went down. Don't worry. We'll get you back. (laughs) Uh, uh, I just had a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, She goes to see the doctor and the thing, and the doctor just lights up in the middle of the exam room, which does not seem in any way like something. Y'all don't remember? This? I mean, they're mm-hmm. French. I assume that they <laughs> so smoke. You can just constantly. smoke in a, in yeah. a sterile environment. And, all right, Obviously, um, don't get sick in France. Um, yeah, probably a good idea. Uh, they just uh, put cheese on the wound. <laughs> cheese, <laughs> good cheese, though. Good cheese. Good cheese. Good I cheese take it back. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is better. Oh, that's a serious wound. We better get the doctor foie gras stat. <laughs> foie, <laughs> foie gras. Foie gras. Yeah. Uh, they have that scene with the professor. And the professor, like, do you guys remember this? Yeah, yeah. and he's, like, and, accusing her of cheating. And it, it and pays off in no way. And and his anger at her doesn't make any sense. His reasoning. It's really random. And it never comes back, so I was really annoyed by that scene. Um, <laughs> it's really random scene. Uh, the, the waxing scene that we were talking about. There, there's a, The whole thing with the finger also takes place with the waxing. And as I said... I don't know if this movie ever got me back after that scene. I, I was sort of, I was sort of out after the finger and, and the waxing and everything. I think that's one of the things I disliked the most about this movie was the relationship between the sisters. Like, I get it. I mean, I have sisters as well. I also have a set of twins who love hate each other, and mm. they're like, but when they're not punching each other in the face, they're like can't live without each other. But this was a little bit too unrealistic. I think I, I agree with you. I didn't. I did not buy the sibling relationship. Even for cannibal um, and, sisters. So, I, and I, as a, I think as we've all sort of said, I mean, I think the problems that we're getting at, um, I felt like were uh, uh, script level problems with the movie, rather than the direction. The direction was really strong. I think that's what put over some of the stuff. I, I mean, I just felt like this was a film, it had this, it had all of the body horror of Cronenberg, but it didn't have any of the pulpiness, and and I think that's, oh, that's cool. That's, that, cool. that's, yeah, that's yeah, one of the yeah. reasons I, I sort of was like, Alright. <laughs> I like that. That's a, good, that's a really Rob, good point. That's Rob's good, like, nail it. let's put that on a, like a motto, like a t-shirt or something. So you don't think their contentious relationship as, as, as siblings wasn't be- believable? I You've never I mean, been on I, a film I, set I don't with see, the Summers Brothers. I don't see Bob or Russ eating each other's fingers or biting oh, each other's faces off. it came super close. It came so close. There were moments Rob would say something and like I'd look over at Russ and he's just got that, I swear, I'm like a half a second away from eating your face. So too. like my 
like twins too. My twins are like that too. Alright, uh, does anybody have That's how else? we direct movies. Uh, I know. It's near cannibalism. Does anybody have anything else? Or? No. no, no. What's, what's the next thing? Alright, let's move on to the next thing, which I, uh, I think is one of the best vampire movies ever made, personally. I'm just going to say it, and that's wow. near dark. I really think it's one of the best vampire movies ever I made. I mean... Even though no one at any point in the film utters the word vampire. Yes. I mean, it's super clear that's what they are, but uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who yeah, of course went on yeah. to like, very big things, won Academy Awards for films like The Hurt Locker that she did. Uh, at this time, I, I don't think she had gotten married to him yet, but she was in a relationship with James Cameron, yeah. who actually has a blink and you'll miss it cameo in the film. Um, but there, this movie, you can't help, which came out very shortly after it, not very long at all after alien, after aliens. Uh, this is 1987. I believe that was 85. Uh, and this has a lot of the same cast as aliens in it, which is because Cameron was like, this, these guys worked great together. You should totally like use them. They're actually, all of them happen to be available. In fact, Michael Bien was originally like the guy they were going to get as, uh, the main character. And, uh, he read the script and said, yeah, I don't like this. Hmm. And, and bowed out. His mistake. But you, what you do have is Bill Paxton in his most over the top, I feel like performance of his career. He's is fantastic. Like, he's so good <laughs> in this. Um, and, uh, it's weirding me out now because Adrian Passar plays a very young, like, uh, corn pone, like, nice guy who is so fucking young looking and now he's on like all these shows and he's grizzled and old and I'm like, oh god, oh god. I, I think I'm that was something I felt about everybody in this movie watching it was I was all, they're all so young and good looking. Yeah. Even Lance Henderson. Yeah, Lance Henderson has never been any old, uh, younger than 45. But, but yeah, that being me. said, this is as young and good looking as Lance as Henderson got. ever got in a yeah. movie. I was, al- I was almost taken aback by What about yeah. Tim Thomerson? Gotta love to meet some Tim Thomerson. <laughs> who also looks like he was the same age as he's no, always been no, in every movie. No, seriously, he doesn't age. Like, yeah. he's the same. He always looks like the guy in Transfers. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never not be that. But yeah, like Hendrickson, Bill Paxton, and Jeanette Goldstein, who was Vasquez in yeah. Aliens. Yeah, this is only, the only two movies I remember, or three, is this, Aliens, and Terminator 2. Yeah. Has yeah. anyone ever mistaken you for a man, Vasquez? No. no. You? <laughs> um, the story is uh, we meet Adrian Passar, like I said, a little small town, corn pone, redneck, uh, who meets, like, has a meet cute with super cute girl, May, played by Jenny uh, Wright. Uh, they are, you know, driving around. He's like, yeah, this shit's on. It's going to happen. Don't get me some. They, she suddenly goes, oh, shit, what time is it? You got to take me home. And he's like, I will, but you got to kiss me first, which by today's standards, of course, not, is super yeah, not, yeah, not, not the very want to do At things. the time, it felt romantic. Not yes. so much now. I don't know. I don't know that it, Okay. <laughs> anyway, she the bites. The 80s were really rapey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They were. Uh, I, I'm scared to go back and rewatch, like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off at this point. I mean, it's like, I don't want. Even Back to the Future, you're like, oh, uh, yeah. Well, that was incest. Everybody loves that. So. Oh, good. <laughs> All right, moving along. Yeah. At least that's what the numbers that you pull and say. Uh, so she bites him and then goes, oh God, and runs out of the truck and he's like, what the fuck? And then suddenly, the, the, well, the, not suddenly, the truck won't start and he's like, okay, I guess I gotta walk home. That sucks. And the sun's coming up and he's, like, the fastest turning into a vampire trans- transition probably in any movie ever uh, is already changing as we see he's smoking, which they did by actually keeping lit cigars under his shirt connected to Oh, that's tubes. super safe. Isn't it's that a- weird? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a stunning visual. Yeah. As is most of the movie. But anyways. Uh, but uh, he's almost home and his family actually sees him was stumbling in. They're like, oh, he's sick. His dad and, and, and little sister and uh, RV with blacked out windows comes in and picks him up and it's the it's the vampire crew who are like, oh, we got to kill him. He knows you're, something's not right with you. And she's like, no, 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 I bit him. He's changing. And they're like, fuck, we can't, well, we can't kill him now because mm-hmm. he's turning into a vampire. He's like, all right, will you get this much time to prove you're one of us by going out and killing uh, or we're going to kill you anyway. And it's kind of this weird, like, road adventure in a way as he has to, like, he doesn't want to kill anyone. And there's some downright kind of erotic sequences where she's feeding him from her own wrist that's like, wow, that's actually kind of hot. But he won't actually go. He he can't bring himself to kill anyone despite multiple occasions. It really culminates in one of my favorite scenes in all of 80s cinema where they go into a redneck bar and uh, kill every last person in the place. It's like the one scene in the whole movie that's played for laughs, weirdly, because nothing else in here is played for laughs, but that yeah. scene has got like one funny line after another, Most, of course, famously, I hate it when they ain't been shaved! <laughs> uh, and that also, that first redneck he kills was the guy who uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger killed in uh, Terminator 2 to take I away his motorcycle. he looked familiar. Yeah. Hmm. More Cameron. There's actually a few others scattered of people who are also in other Cameron films. But it's, you know, I mean, it's definitely more of a romantic drama on some level, you know, Mm. because it really is kind of romantic on maybe more subtext, I guess. But it's there. And there's a real chemistry between Passar and Jenny Wright, I felt like. Um, But it's so well filmed. It moves relatively quickly. And it comes up with a solution I've never seen before in a vampire movie. I was like, well, that's new. I give you major points just for that because I, I didn't see that coming. Didn't they do that but in Dracula 2000? Nobody watched Dracula 2000. Oh. I did. I saw it in the theater. Well, to be it. clear, this Gerard was 1987 Butler. and that was 2000. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> it's right, right there in the name. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I love this movie. I've revisited it. Oh, I don't even know how many times I come back to do it. Do you have a nice Blu-ray of this? Or? Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. Super sweet. Yeah. Um, this, I, I'm going to sound like an amateur right now. I, this I hadn't seen this movie before. Lucky I hadn't. You. I know. Lucky what was it like know. to watch this movie for the it first time? I can't even imagine. It was fucking amazing. I love this movie. I had no idea because you know I walk into these cold. I usually if it, if I haven't seen the movie, I try and stay away from you know any trailers. I don't like read you know Wikipedia. Yeah, I go into it like like a virgin. Which, so how did it feel? It was so good. First of all. When I saw Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen are both in this movie, I was like crying tears of joy because I was like, this is going to be fucking amazing. And they totally, Bill Paxton did not disappoint me. He was Absolutely he fantastic. He has the best part in the movie, and he eats it up. Uh, I mean, and he's so, uh, he's so over the top, but he's over the top in a way that I mean, he's like crazy over the top, not like hamming it this up. Had to be he fun. is batshit insane this, in this a movie. A lot of and like side stories of him fucking with people outside of the movie, like, like method like, acting. He, 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 well, no, I mean, just like he'd have all the makeup on, and he would go fuck with lo- the locals. Like he went when his face was like all burned. He apparently went to a there was like they were filming at a train yard and they were like he went over and was like guys oh my god there's an accident over here and they're all like oh you should see the other guy <laughs> I really like how the craziness of Bill Paxton's character balanced like the calm coldness of Lance mm-hmm. Henriksen's mm-hmm. character like they were the perfect pair and they completely stole this movie like there's nobody else in this movie as far as I'm concerned um 
Unfortunately, I feel like this movie was just like other ones that we've reviewed before, bad timing. I mean, this was released, what, a couple months after Lost Boys, and Lost Boys was, I mean, the vampire movie of 1987. This got buried, actually, not because of anything like that. It's because the production company went out of business. No shit. This okay. was the, the D. Laurent That's type, good to know. D. Laurentis. Uh, and this was the last film they made, and they were in the middle of going through bankruptcy when this film was supposed to get distribution. So That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, one of the things I very much liked about this movie is how it downplays, like, the vampires. Like, yeah, we know they're vampires, but they don't have transitions. There's... I I mean, they don't have, like, superpowers other than, like, strength. And it's mostly about their weaknesses. It's not really about, like, what they can do. Like, it's about what they can't like do. they don't like it when they ain't been shaved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't like stubbly necks. Yeah. I mean, nobody Who does, does yeah. honestly. <laughs> so it really Solid is. Solid advice. It's very minimalist <laughs> as Some far as. are like, fuck. Yeah, God. I gotta go shave. shave. Um, It's very minimalist as far as the vampire powers go. Um, So I thought that was really, it brought it back to its basics, as Mm -hmm. you know, and I thought that was really super effective. Um, The only character I really didn't like was the kid, Homer. I thought he was like. He's a very good actor. He's a terrible fucking actor. It's a good idea. I mean, it's obviously. But he's no Kirsten Dunst. Like, he's the oldest of all of them. He's trapped in a a a little kid's body. No but it's just, if, yeah, if, if the performance had worked, that would have been really good. But even then, he you would have gone, just, yeah. how would that have balanced against everything else that works in the film? I feel like it would have just been a distraction. It was just like, yeah. he was like way too over the top and not like in a good Bill Paxton way. Hmm. Um, otherwise, you know what really fucking nailed this movie for me? Tangerine Dream. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Seriously. Oh, yeah. That old school Tangerine Dream soundtrack just nailed it it's from the very it's fucking beginning. Yeah. I was like having legend flashbacks. <laughs> it was, I mean, I was like all over. It's I love shit. this. Yeah, it's amazing. And I 100%, I'm sad that I haven't been watching this movie like all the time. Yeah, you'll watch this again in, oh, inside yeah. of three yeah. months. Oh, without you'll be a like, doubt. Fuck, I, I, I I'm just going to watch it again. Yeah, I'm just yeah, going to watch it again. Yeah, there's a, there's a super high rewatchability factor to this movie. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Like I said, I've watched this so many times, and I was at first like, do I really need to watch this again? I think I know it by yeah. heart. And then I went, but you're just like, I want need to. doesn't play into yeah. it. I just yeah. want to watch it yeah. again. And can yeah. we just, one more time, the 80s were really fucking rapey, you guys. Seriously. Like, can we just. That's This movie, yeah, even this movie, directed by woman even then it still has this terrible she actually got some criticism at the time not for the rapiness but because people were like you didn't feel like you brought any of your femininity to the film like I would actually completely disagree with that but yeah I, I, I actually kind of agree with that. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really... Not as a criticism, per se, but as a... I mean, thing, there right. was a lot of, like, sexuality between May and... Was it Caleb was mm-hmm. the main was the main protagonist? There was a lot of really great scenes, and of course, she turns him. But it's really just... I mean, it seems like it's just another, like, 80s romance. You know, I mean, I wasn't, like, particularly moved by it. You know they it. were going to remake this? They were really close to starting production about six years ago, and they stopped. You know why? Because some executive said, seems like Twilight to me, and that's already a thing. Why would we do that? What the fuck are you talking yeah, about? That's I know. crazy. I know. Exactly. And plus, we can never get Bill Paxton back. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, I, I've seen this movie quite a few times, um, and uh, there is no movie quite like this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, um, watching this again, and I, and I, you know, even now, like, watching it again, like, it felt so 
special and unusual and um I, I that really I that struck me in a way that I, I couldn't like I think I was I was watching it like on my computer like I was like oh yeah I'm gonna watch near dark okay well I'll just I'll just kind of rewatch it because I need to make no-. and I remember like texting Russ like holy shit this fucking movie is amazing um there's a dreamlike quality to the movie yes that's really hard to like no like that's one of the things I think makes the movie feel so unique is is that feel and I mean you know like you were saying like the Tangerine Dream score this lush sort of ama- amazing cinematography like yeah, shout out to Adam Greenberg yeah. yeah I don't know that there's another movie that we watched in this series like this particular that is as good looking as this movie I I, I was like th- this is like I was like watching it, I was like this is exceptional and. You know, Bigelow had only made like one other movie before, and she co-directed. She it. had done a Point the Break. The Love or No, she does Point Point, point Break after, after this. this. After this, yeah. After this, yeah. Which but, also shout out. Yeah, shout, shout out. out to fucking. Point <laughs> no, break. I want to do a shout out to Strange Days. I right. shout out to that fucking movie Strange too. Days, right, but man. I mean, look at this chick's cinematography. Like, 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 um, you know, uh, filmography. I mean, Near Dark, Point Break. Uh, Strange uh, Days, Strange Days, The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark, Thirty. Zero Dark. I mean, well, we're not going to talk about Blue Steel. We're not going to talk about <laughs> She has a couple of bummers. That and yeah. like the weight of water are both terrible. Yeah. Um, but who fucking cares, man? But this is an exceptional movie. There are not movies like this. And watching it again, I was struck by how how much of this vision she was able to realize. Like that shootout in the hotel with like the bullet holes and like the light coming through and they're catching on fire and yeah. like Caleb has to run to the car in the blanket and like Dude, they're just, shooting him. I mean just that sequence at the end when Lance Hendrickson and and uh uh what's her name? Jeanette, whatever, are catching on fire in the car. In the car just looking at each it's other. Just, it's like it was a good run. But yeah, that the the thing where they fucking flip the semi. Yeah. And I mean, it's just and then, of course, like you mentioned, the scene in the fucking bar, like, what, there are very few movies that have that kind of, um, uh, like, you know, unique, one-of-a-kind um, sequences, and one after the other, the whole movie is those moments. And it's so, one of the things I think makes this work as well as it does, it's like, usually when you get a film that's clearly just mashing together two genres, Western and vampire movie in this case... It definitely feels like a lot more one of the other. Okay. This feels like it created something really new and never really seen anything like it yeah. since. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, unlike John Carpenter's Vampires, which I think tried to go for the same, same idea, I'm not which was unsuccessful. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I, mean, I hadn't even heard of it, but yeah. Um, that, is, that, is a, that is a really good comparison, though. I agree. Uh, you know, Tangerine Dream, obviously, uh, totally rad. Like that they, you know, did the score. I mean, uh, I had forgotten. They did I, the yeah, score I had for this forgotten movie. as well, and I was like, oh, this is so great. So um, good. Yeah, that the like, you know, the dusky, uh, you know, uh, magic hour cinematography. I think also uh, Adrian Pastark's Caleb is not really the hero. There's like a one or two moments where he kind of has heroic qualities. I think they, there's that moment they play almost as like a um, uh, a showdown in the. Um, in the old west, where he's he's killed Bill Bill Paxton, and they're standing in the street, and he's facing off against them, and he's wearing the hat, and he's got the duster. That's a great moment. It does, but and it feels he's he even stands like it's obviously they were thinking of like you know kind of high noon, even leaning down to pick up the spur right. off the ground that's blown yeah. off. Yeah, you know? um, but he's kind of not really a hero, and I, I'm not even sure I really like 
like him very much. Like, uh, Caleb, he kind of sucks. Like, he's not, like, a great dude. I mean, he's kind of generic, but I think he has to be because why, how can you compete with the vampires in terms right. of char- charisma? You can't. And right. You shouldn't. Right. You know? We're watching a journey. But there is a reason, I think, he doesn't go on to bigger things based in this movie. Like, I just don't think he really, like, um, blows you away in this particular movie. But he's great. He's great as far as the movie needs him to be. Mm. He works because I think Bigelow has such a strong vision. Um... I, the other person I really want to single out, I know you guys talk about her from Aliens, but Jenny Wright yes. is amazing in yes. this fucking movie. She is just dazzling. There's like this this way that, that she feels um, distant and, and sort of like, she's like this girl that you fall in love with and there's so much going on with her that you can't read. She's she's both sexy and deadly. She's both vulnerable and strong. But even and then, I feel like that, to even reduce her to that, there's an ethereal quality to her that is so unusual. Like, whenever she's on screen, I just, like, she's like this mystery. And you never, and it, gosh, you, you get why he's in love with I her. Get, he would throw away everything. Right. Like, like I would her. just, I was like, oh my God, I'd fucking get in that RV. I wouldn't even think twice about it. Like, oh my fucking God. And she has that moment, that amazing tracking shot in the bar where she walks towards, what's his face? The actor. Uh, uh, he's the last guy in the bar to die. And it's, James it's James Legro. James yeah. Legro. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I meant to mention right, that. Yeah. She has like, oh, right, James, James oh. also in Point Break. Also in oh, Point Break, yeah. Point Break. And he, <laughs> shout out to Point Break. <laughs> shout out to Point Break. <laughs> and she has that moment where the, where the camera tracks back and she wipes the blood off her mouth. Yeah. It's just, it's so... You Erotic. Just, there's, I don't even, I mean, yes, that's part of it, but I almost feel like there's more, there's so much more going on with her. And I, I'm just sad she quit acting. She does like this, Young Guns... Two, um, there's one other movie she's in, and she's just so great. So um, no other movie uh, used her as well, but I, I always think of Jenny Wright as the uh, uh, girl in the wall. I don't know if you guys remember this. Bob Geldof, throws, she's the groupie. Yeah, Bob Geldof yeah, throws a glass at her, and she she ducks. It, it wasn't planned, and I think that's something about Jenny Wright. She had a, a really interesting, almost unpredictable quality to her that I think no other movie, other than that moment in the wall that I was talking about, really got as right with her. She was in some yeah. other movies, but this well, one, according to Garp, she had a big role in that. Cush, cushy, one of, was one of the main characters in that movie. Yeah, according to Garp, the world well, according, according to Garp. Garp? Yeah. Well, I don't remember that movie at all. Yeah. So, oh well. Anyways, she's amazing. So I just, I just think this movie exemplifies, uh, like, uh, Harold Bloom said this thing, and I think about it a lot now. There's a strangeness to art, like art that you really get, and this movie is strange. It's an unusual, odd movie, and I think that that's one of the reasons it's so beautiful and perfect. And I, like Chris said, there's just an endless rewatchability because it feels there's so much going on. And especially, I think, Jenny Wright sort of personifies that, you know. So, anyways, Russ, I'm going to you. Uh, okay, so I, you know, I echo, I love this movie. Um, I, I, I want to say um, it's one of these movies that I think real uh, horror uh, cinephiles talk about because, and so I, I almost wonder, is it even underrated at this point? Because no. it's a movie that I think people that really know movies love and, and talk about all the time. So I'm glad that it's kind of gotten its due. Um, again, uh, Greenbird's cinematography, uh, absolutely amazing. I think it's on par with the stuff that, that Ridley Scott and like, Alan Parker were doing. Oh, yeah, the 80s. Fuck yeah. It's, it's as good as any of that. Um, and, and, and this was the movie, I mean, Bigelow, uh, Catherine Bigelow is one of my favorite directors. And I just, when we've talked about her cinematography, it's so interesting. And I, you know, in a way, I'm sad. She never went back to horror yeah. uh, after this movie. But I guess, how could you ever top Near Dark? She definitely put her stamp 
uh, on the genre. Um, but it, it's it's obvious. And I guess going back to watch this again, I mean, you're just like, there it is. She's she's a fully formed director. I mean, she's as amazing as anybody, and it's right there in her her second movie, in her first movie as a solo director. Uh, so I, I just I. You know, I mean, you you see where she evolved to making movies like The Hurt Locker and, and Zero Dark Thirty. So, it, you know, she was always great. She's one of those directors that anytime anybody talks about, well, you know, who do you think should direct X? And, uh, Catherine Bigelow. I mean, she can just take whatever movie you want to give her. Um, uh, there was a, I wanted to say real quick, um, you know what I think is a really great scene? The scene with the cop in the train station. Yes, yes. That guy's a really great actor. He's so perfectly cast. I love his, like, terrible wardrobe, <laughs> you know, but I think that and his interaction... on his hand. Yeah, and then, which they never explain. Yeah, and he's looking at it. That he, that he has the, the bite. So I, I love that scene um, Troy so much. Evans, by the way, very, the famous character actor. Yeah. And a lot of stuff. He, he's a guy you'll definitely, like, I've seen that dude before and yeah. some other... Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Brighteners. Uh, the... And so I think we've talked about it. I won't spend too much more time on it because I could just gush about this movie for the rest of the podcast um, or right, forever. Right, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I, you know, it's something I think we're going to come back to. Uh, we, we've already talked about it a bunch with the, the previous movies, but the script for this movie is so good. And she co-wrote it with a guy named Eric Red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, this was his movie after The Hitcher. Which is another really great mossy eighties, but also uh, kind of a western. Hitcher is definitely. It, one I of feel my like favorites. this movie and the Hitcher share some DNA. Yeah. Um. And and Eric read it, and I I think he wrote Blue Steel with her. Um. Sort of an interesting character. If anybody wants to Google him and see, yeah, what happened with his history, he's, he's an interesting dude. Whatever. Um. So it's I just weird they did this at the same time as Cohen and Tate, which they were thought they they really thought both these films were going to be great. This is the the, the production company. Uh, the, uh, Bigelow working with uh, Eric, Eric Red. Oh, okay. And it was like. Uh, yeah, nobody remembers Cohen and Tate. <laughs> um, I, I did want to point out um, real quick, the, the ending is really great. And, uh, and you know, they, I, 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 I very much enjoyed it. I want these characters to be together. But I did want to point out, um, uh, Adrian Pastar, your, your girlfriend is a murderer. I mean, a pretty willing murderer who's probably killed lots of people <laughs> for many, many years. And I mean, you know... Hot. Good luck. Is <laughs> that not what you were getting at? I was going with you hot. You know what? Yeah. Um, yeah, but she's wins. Yeah, Cox wins. I'm done. I'm done. Cox wins. You win as usual. Yeah, but it's like, when like, I would just get in the RV. I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'd be like, she killed a lot of people. I've been saying for years. She killed a lot of people and she is my girlfriend. If vampires were real, it's a biological thing. You get bit, you turn into a vampire, you must have blood to survive, but you also have all these powers. That's a real organism. You don't look at a lion and go, what a dick. Killing all those animals like that. What an asshole. Hey, I'm pretty straight. I would have fucked her. Yeah. And then you have not only the bonus of being a mortal, being a vampire and all that shit, but you get to fuck Jenny Wright for all of eternity. I'm like, you know what? I'll I'll kill people. And I think that's the only down part. I don't want to say it's a downfall to any part of this movie, but the fact that he, they turn her back into a mortal. That kind of was a bummer. Didn't even ask her. Yeah, they just took it upon themselves to make her like human again. And I was like, well, that took out the best part. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. You know, I, I mean, I, will, I would I rather will, be a vampire. Again, the eighties are very rapey. It's very non-consensual. <laughs> so if you're a vampire, you didn't get yeah, a say either. You know, you know, weirdly, not in it. the deleted scenes in the pretty quick, pretty good. The last Blu-ray they put out of it, not in there. Although apparently they filmed it where there was going to be a shot at the end where the little girl. 
like the sister, they walk out in the sun and her hand catches on fire to insinuate oh, that, like, she oh, she got dead. But then they were like, but who cares? They could fix that. Yeah, right away. There's so no there's no reason for that yeah. to happen. So. In fact, you could set up a little uh, boutique industry of just fixing <laughs> vampires. Right? Way to go, Tim Thomerson. And that was one of the things I liked about this movie is there are no consequences at all. Unlike, let's it's say, a very Lost, am- Lost This is a Wars. very amoral movie. Yeah, it's not... I mean, and Bill Paxton. God damn it. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Love his costume. Love that jacket. Best part Oh, my God. It. And then his spurs and yeah. just his whole... And that yeah. scene in the bar... Jesus fucking Christ. Like I said, Christ. one of the greatest scenes of any movie in the I've 80s never is that seen bar him scene. So Holy good. shit. Set to uh, the Cramps uh, uh, doing this, uh, their cover of the song Fever, which is arguably yeah, that, the song. Yeah, that. No, and also yeah, John Carr's Naughty Naughty. Yeah. Yeah. As they walk into there the bar. Was, yeah, there was John like Parr, some uh, yeah, who wrote the theme to uh, St. Animal's Fire. Thank you, Russ Man in Motion. But I do like that Naughty Naughty jam. It's pretty sweet. I'll go so far as to say of all the movies we've talked about in Deliberations of Doom, this is the one I most urge you to see if you've not seen We're definitely unanimous, which is very rare. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of excitement about this movie. What's next? Oh, well, next is the end of this episode. Oh, shit. We're continuing this on with part two, where we're going to talk about more of these female director films and more questions from the audience. You know who you are. You're like, why don't you answer my question? Well, <laughs> calm down. It's going to be in the next episode. It's coming. 